Well, being the, the pastor and the minister of a church can be and is often a very difficult thing. And as you're more than likely aware, being a Christian can be and is a very difficult thing. Every day we're bombarded with and often give in to new and even more depraved ways to fall into sin as we give in to temptation and then walk further away from God. As Christians, as you well know, we're thrown often this way and that on a sea of doubt and despair. Again, each day given new and many different reasons for why life might just be so much simpler and easier if we didn't have to worry about all this God stuff. How much more money we might have if we could just give up on all this God stuff. How much more joy we, we, we would experience in our life if once again we were the central focus in our life rather than caring and using up all this time and energy to care for everyone else in the world. Uh, so these are just some of the troubles that you may have experienced in your time as a Christian. And I'm sure if we spent more time together reflecting on our lives, we could probably come up with another hundred more examples of how our lives could be easier if we were tempted to turn our backs on God. But as a pastor, not only, not only do I need to consider all of these things for myself and my own Christian walk in the midst of my own weakness and failings, I get to spend a lot of my time in thought and prayer for all those people in our church in Newman, as well as giving thanks for our supporter churches like you here. And let alone continuing to give thanks for those wonderful members of our church who have left Newman and then gone on to other things in Australia and other parts of the world. That is just one of the jobs of a pastor, let alone all the admin and preparation, etc., that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, for Amanda and I and our family, we are, here, we are in Newman because we love all the people there. We stay in Newman because we feel like God wants us to be there to see people grow in their faithfulness and trust in God. And we're able to stay there because of churches like you supporting us in our work. When we turn to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, this is exactly what we are seeing from Paul. We are seeing Paul's pastor's heart as he pours out his love and affection for the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica in the first century was the capital of Macedonia, uh, and the geographical lo location of the city, both then and now, meant that it was a very important city. Even today, it's one of the biggest cities in Greece. But up until this moment in Paul's missionary journeys, he had had very little to encourage him. He had heard so many stories of churches he had visited and then started falling away and turning their backs on the gospel that he had preached. I can well imagine how emotionally distraught he was over all of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, we hear Paul saying this, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Again, this is another example of Paul's pastor's heart coming out here. He is weak and discouraged and no doubt having major doubts about his ability to pastor anyone. But, as so often happens, God knew exactly what Paul needed. Messengers came from Thessalonica with a report of the continuing steadfastness of the Christians at Thessalonica and once more Paul saw that God was indeed blessing his work there. The letter from the Thessalonians inspired Paul to continue his work of proclaiming the gospel to the nations. And in thankfulness and praise to God, he wrote this first letter. In verse 1, Paul completes his initial greeting with these words, Grace and peace to you. 
Now, we could quite easily spend the rest of our time here tonight talking about just those words themselves. Uh, But let's quickly dig deeper into these words that Paul uses. Uh, Grace, as we know it, is one of the great Christian words. In the original Greek text, I really hate it when ministers do that, but sometimes it's actually useful. On this occasion, it is. Uh, In the original Greek text, text, the word grace is linked with the word joy, meaning that which causes joy. As I previously mentioned, Paul had had not much news which led him to joy. But receiving the update from the Thessalonian church has brought him much joy. And this is the same for us here in Newman. Uh, Even though we have these times of up and down and down and in-betweens, nothing brings us more joy than seeing people to know and trust Jesus and to growing in their faith. And then for peace... These days, peace can be a bit of a negative concept in that peace is the absence of war. But the Hebrew equivalent is concerned with wholeness or soundness and speaks of prosperity and especially prosperity in spiritual things. In writing these words, Paul is wanting the members of the church at Thessalonica to experience all the riches and glory that can only come through knowing Jesus. For me here tonight, You all bring me great joy and my people in Newman. It's such a privilege for me to stand up here to be able to speak to you from God's word. And nothing is more important than this. My prayer is that through the grace of God, you will know the true peace that can only come through God's word and his grace to you. Now let's take a a closer look at the next few verses. Read with me from verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at a lot of Paul's other letters in the New Testament, it could be very easy to think, well, this is just the thanksgiving that he always rolls out for every one of his letters. It's just a copy and paste thing. Okay, better say something nice, otherwise they might not listen to me again. But elsewhere in the New Testament... There are occasions where he leaves out a thanksgiving altogether. The letter to the Galatians is the best example of this. The letter to the Galatians starts with the regular greeting and then straight away he hits them with this from Galatians 1. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. No thanksgiving, no following the same old letter formation, just straight into what mattered most for those people. So when we think about that, this thanksgiving for the, for the Thessalonians is genuine and it's true and comes straight from Paul's pastor's heart. In this thanksgiving, Paul particularly gives thanks for their faith, their hope and their love demonstrated by the Thessalonian people. First off, Paul is thanking God for their faith and particularly the salvation which has come through their faith in Jesus rather than their works. Uh, Paul clearly states, as he does elsewhere, that salvation can only come through God. But he also makes it clear that our faith needs, we need to be busy in our faith. Meaning that our faith in salvation through Jesus must lead to work. Really, that's just our daily lives as Christians, where we, where we seek to show to those around us what it means for us to trust in Jesus. Uh, for us as Christians, the only thing we can offer God is our thanks to him for the salvation he's brought for us. The best way to do that is to show that to those around us. Let our actions do all the talking for us so people will want to know more. 
The love the Thessalonians are demonstrating is the love that God demonstrates to us. In that while we were still sinners, he died, Jesus died for us to make us right before God. Now, this is the same love we must be demonstrating to those around us. Love even sometimes when we might think they might not be worthy of it. Because after all, God loves us even when we were unlovely. The hope spoken by Paul in this section is speaking of an active endurance in the face of an impossible situation. As Christians, hope has an air of certainty about it, the certainty of Jesus returning and bringing an end to sin and suffering. Now let's turn to the last section from verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The the Thessalonian church was like so many of Paul's other churches he started, a mostly Gentile church. That is made up of non-Jewish people. And at that time, that was still really significant. You might remember that Paul was one of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. He would have played a big part in making sure Jesus was led to to death on the cross. In Acts chapter 7, Paul is named as being the one who organised the stoning of Stephen. So Paul demonstrating any form of love and concern for the Gentiles is still miraculous. And yet here he is calling them brothers loved by God in verse 4. They are brothers in the same faith, loved by God through Jesus. At this stage, when Paul was travelling around, around the world and presenting the gospel to the world, this was a huge thing. It had only been maybe 10 or 20 years since Jesus' death and resurrection, and already this news had spread far beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And here we have the Thessalonians bringing Paul some much-needed good news and joy. In verse 6, Paul highlights that the Thessalonian church had followed their example. Thankfully, Paul and his fellow workers had modelled their ministry on Jesus and his life. And so the Thessalonians were basing everything they did on Jesus. And as he says, and this is even in spite of severe suffering. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, then you will know, probably even more so than me, that suffering and struggles is just a part of living a Christian life. If we're seeking to be more and more like Jesus every day, well, we have to expect suffering to be part of our future. Uh, Jesus suffered on the cross for us so we can experience salvation. Therefore, we must expect to experience some form of suffering. Thankfully, I'm pretty sure it won't be crucifixion though. Now, we can experience all forms of suffering in our life, but the one thing that can never be taken away is the joy we have in Jesus. Jesus says to to us in John chapter 16 verse 22 so with you now is your time of grief but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one 
will take away your joy. We know that it's through the Holy Spirit that God will bring us joy. And it is this joy that can never be taken away from us. And yet, joy is the thing that we often can't find enough of, isn't it? But what brings you joy in your life? How have you felt the joy that can only come through God in your life? Uh, Think back on this week or even on last year, uh, how God has brought joy into your life, even in the midst of some horrible situations, I'm sure. Just like Paul and his fellow workers had been an example for the Thessalonians, they are now being an example to all the other believers in the surrounding areas and countries. So much so that Paul says this in verse 8, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Wouldn't that be great of people to say that about us? Our faith is known everywhere. As mentioned before, up until now, Paul had had very little to be thankful for in his ministries. I speak to any pastor and you'll find that there is often a story like that. A time where they felt like all of their efforts had been for nothing. I know I can certainly feel like that sometimes. It can feel like for us in Newman that church has become so small that it's almost not worth putting any effort into. But that's not why we're there. I'm there in Newman uh, with the family to preach the gospel faithfully and clearly, whether that's to 10 people or to 100 people. God didn't bring us to Newman to grow a mega church, which is good because I didn't want to do it anyway. Rather, he brought us here to, to, brought us to Newman to see people grow in their faith and to know Jesus better. And praise God, in his mercies, that's happening. Paul receives real joy from the faith of the Thessalonians. And I receive real joy from the people in Newman and from being here with you tonight. What keeps Amanda and I going in the midst of people leaving our church over the last year or two is seeing them go off to new towns and places, continuing in their faith and taking the growth they've made in Newman and then applying that to their new location. Uh, about halfway through last year, we were, we were rocked, because we we're always rocked by families leaving. It always hits us really hard, especially because it's unexpected. But we had this really great family that had been part of our church uh, for a couple of years. Uh, we'd met them through school contacts, and they wanted to get their son baptised. And so we baptised their son, uh, walked them through that situation, and they became regular attenders at church. They had some kids around our kids' age, so it was really great having them there. Anyway, halfway through last year, they said, yep, we're moving back to New Zealand. So once we stopped crying, uh, kind of had good chats with them and said, oh, would you like me to find you a church? I said, yeah, that'd be really great. really want you to do that. So I messaged a friend of mine who's in ministry in New Zealand and he said, oh, gosh, where they're moving, that's really remote. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. But thankfully, praise God, they found a church uh, and they've become really great members and and enjoying and feeling like it's just like they were in Newman. So uh, those little things, they're the things that keep us going in the midst of losing really great people. As I said before, being a pastor is a tough job and it often involves dealing with people and their sin and the darkness that comes from it. It often involves meeting people in their lowest moments and yet it brings the most amount of joy you could ever imagine. Like Paul expresses in this chapter, uh, I get to see the change that God brings about in people through Jesus. I get to see hope that people receive through Jesus' death and resurrection. So like the Thessalonians, let's continue to go out into our communities in Newman and Jamboree and take whatever opportunity we have to speak of the hope we have in Jesus. Let's make sure we are living such lives that people will want to know more. 
Let's continue to find our joy in the great act of salvation that Jesus has won for us. Amen.